Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning. Good morning, Fort McKinley. No, seriously, it is, it is wonderful to be with you today in the room. I'm so happy and proud that Fort McKinley can be with us as well. And for all of our online viewers, welcome to Ginghamsburg Church. Welcome to this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us give thanks and be glad. Amen. Always a pleasure to be before you. It is a joy to be here every time I come out here. So thank you for being here today. And uh, just thank, thank you for all of your grace and your mercy towards me. I, I really appreciate it. I'm gonna say more about that in this message, but it's great to be here today. So thank you so much. I, I wanna say greetings to all my friends here in the room. Greetings to Fort McKinley. Love you guys, Fort McKinley. Um, this is not going to be a regular occurrence. I will be back home in house very soon. I know you're wondering where I've been. Uh, for a few weeks I have been away, but I'll be coming back soon. And to our online uh, participants, God bless you. Thank you for being here in worship. Online church is church also. Somebody say amen. amen. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So today's message is brought to you from this messenger known as Pastor Carl. He is the lead. <laughs> My wife is here. Yep. Uh, I am the lead pastor of our Fort McKinley campus and a true lover of our ministry in the Dayton community as well as here. Um, I want to also say happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are in the room. Give yourselves a round of applause. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to those at Fort McKinley and online. Um, this morning I woke up thinking about my own father who passed away in 2012, but you know, my, my dad was, he was kind of tough on me. And if this might shock you, I was a little mischievous when I was younger. Uh, and, and it was his job to keep me in line and together. And he did a great job with me. I miss him so bad, especially on days like this. But as my father can hear my voice, I just want to say, thank you, dad. You did a good job. So. I should have left that alone. <clears throat> All right. So today's message of unity in diversity, it originated from a passage in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 15. So here we have this fledgling new community of Jesus followers, and they had begun to grow. They had begun to grow with no shortage of challenges because humans are complicated and can be messy. Can I get an amen? So at this time, circumcision was the marker that distinguished Jews from non-Jews, and it was a big deal. When traditions like this are a part of our identity, it becomes very difficult to let them go, to imagine ourselves whole and good without them. But just as our sermon series calls out, how do we challenge the status quo? How do we challenge the existing state of affairs? How do we challenge that barrier that keeps people out rather than calling them in? How do we challenge that? 
And with so many possible traditions among our cultures in our world, how will we, as the body of believers, maintain unity in the middle of our own diverse communities? How do we honor our differences while championing the identity that we all share? At the College of Worcester, I was the captain of our football team for two years. And uh, oh boy, look at that dude. That dude was bad right there. I'm a regular guy now, but I'm telling you, he was agile, he was mobile, and he was hostile. That guy. I feel the aches and pains every day. But at the College of Worcester, I was the captain of our football team for two years. And a big part of my responsibilities included getting our defense unified and collectively focused on com competition, successful competition. This was particularly challenging because our defense has so much diversity within the group. We all came from different cities, different states, um, even different countries. We all played different styles of defense. We had varying experiences, and some came from strong programs, like myself, and others did not. We came from different cultures. We came from different races. We came from different religions, different economic backgrounds, but each year, my task was to galvanize the new players with the guys who were upperclassmen into our collective vision of unity. Now, church, we practiced together, we ate together, we studied together, we looked at film together, we worked out, we went to the training room, we laughed, we cried, and we fought all together. We did life together, and back then when I remember it, life was good. It reminded me of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 44, where Luke is talking about the fellowship of these new believers. It reads, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That was us. That was our defense. We were together in all that diversity, doing life, and we shared everything. In my opinion, this is the formula for finding unity in diversity, devoting ourselves to teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer, while being, while being together and sharing what each of us had with one another. It's the formula. And this formula is exactly the fuel behind our breakfast ministry at Fort McKinley. We're looking to have a meal with our diverse neighbors for the purpose of fellowship and to demonstrate God's love and God's unity. In fact, if you are all looking for tangible ways and opportunities to bring unity in diversity, please join us on Sunday mornings at 8.30 at Fort McKinley and serve with us. It would just be a matter of you talking to me or talking to our operations manager, Ms. Shannon Flora, shout out Shannon, and she can get you scheduled to not only serve, but just to come and eat. It is missions and discipleship at the same time. Something as simple as having a meal with your neighbor.
Here's what was always troubling to me during these days of football though, and even today as I look around. When the season ended and the games were over, we all went back to our respective corners. We all went back to our areas of comfort and familiarity and we stopped challenging the status quo. We stopped practicing unity and diversity because the season was over and we could get back to normal, which to me is just another word for status quo. What if back then, as well as today, we stopped looking at unity as a seasonal goal? What if we made unity a lifelong pursuit to challenge the status quo and to experience unity and diversity? What if we made that a lifelong pursuit rather than a seasonal issue? We see something on the news and for a season, we're aware and sensitive, but then after a few weeks, something else trickles in and we forget about that. What if we took unity and diversity as something that is not seasonal, but as a lifelong pursuit? What if we could extend the game, if you will, and make this a part of our mindset in general and not just during the season. Football or not, that sounds like a wonderful idea to me. Many of us are familiar with this term, watershed events. These are moments marking a unique or an important historical change of course, or one on which important developments depend. They may seem insignificant at the time, but they change our lives or even the course of human history. Today's story of the first church council of Jerusalem is such of an event. The decision to allow Gentiles, non-Jews, into the new growing Christian community without requiring them to observe all the traditional Jewish customs literally set the stage to enable Christianity to become the most popular religion in the world. And a brief survey of what happened at the Council of Jerusalem gives us insights as to how those actions of so long ago affect our lives today. Before we dig into scripture though, please join me in a word of prayer. Bow with me. Abundant God, we come to you today with adoration, love and devotion just for who you are. You alone are God and we humble ourselves before your throne of grace. We confess that we fall short of your glory and we sometimes allow our differences to impede our unity with each other and ultimately with you. We are thankful, however, that you forgive us when we fall short and that you redeem and restore us through your mercy and compassion. Empower us to be unified in our diversity and complexity. We are aware today on this 19th of June that this has not always been so. And we grieve over our country's challenge with unity. Today we pray for a different way. We pray for a different world. So let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight as you are our strength, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Hear these words, church, from the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. It reads, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom 
taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the, that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of God's word. Amen. One of the first affirmations of the Council of Jerusalem is that God knows our hearts. Peter, in his testimony before the council, made this abundantly clear in verse 8 when he said, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. The reality is this. We simply just aren't like God. We look at people and we judge them by what we see in front of us, by their appearances, by their actions. And like the Pharisees Christians, our judgment is usually not gentle. The Pharisees felt that the new Gentile Christians needed to attain their level of holiness. Acts 10 describes another story, a time when we see Peter struggling with his own issue of judgment until God uses a vision of unclean foods to convince Peter that he should not look upon the Gentiles as inferior or unclean. Saying in verse 15, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. God is literally calling Peter to challenge the status quo here. That thing that's normal and acceptable, those existing state of affairs, Perhaps the greatest barrier to the spread of the, of the gospel in the first century was the Jewish-Gentile conflict. Most of the early believers were Jewish, and they thought it scandalous even to think of associating with Gentiles. But God told Peter in verse 34 and 35 to take the gospel to a Roman, a Gentile. And Peter obeyed despite his background and despite his personal feelings. You see, church, God was making it clear then and now that the good news of Jesus is for everyone, 
We should not allow any barrier, any language, any culture, any race, any geography, any economic level or educational level, we should not allow it to keep us from sharing what Jesus has accomplished for all people of all nations. Somebody say amen. amen. God saw the heart of the Gentiles. What God saw was that the Gentiles were God's own creation and people who were worthy of God's love and worthy of God's forgiveness. And without hesitation, God filled the Gentiles with the Holy Spirit. Now let's be clear here. This would have been absolutely shocking to the Jews because centuries of teaching hatred for and separation from the Gentiles were literally being unraveled. The Gentiles were considered outsiders. And now, all of a sudden, they are on equal standing with the Jews, making it clear that God blesses everyone. This would have been mind-blowing, this would have been faith-exploding, and this would have been game-changing to all who were present. Peter reminds the council that the law given to the Israelites through Moses was too great for them to bear. The Jews were never able to keep it, and Peter should know. He tried to be a good follower of Jesus. Still, he ended up failing miserably. He denied Jesus three times after he promised to never leave him or forsake him. And it was only because of Jesus' love, Jesus' forgiveness and grace that Peter was even able to rejoin the disciples and become one of the leaders of the church. Peter summed up his testimony by saying, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Now grace saves us certainly for life after death. But it also gives us the freedom, the freedom of living by faith in this life. We are free from living the lie that power equals greatness. We are free from living the lie of superiority and separatism. We are free from living the lie of unfair and, un and, and biased expectations. We are free from living the lie that the earth is ours to do with what we want. Instead, we're free to live in a kingdom of love. Instead, we're free to live in a kingdom of service. Instead, we're free to live in a kingdom of acceptance free to live in a world where there is unity and diversity and we can experience that grace right here and right now. The early church experienced the challenge of bringing together diverse peoples just as we do. Jews and Gentiles had so little in common with different histories, different traditions, different practices, customs, food preferences, culture and languages. How could anyone possibly take such dissimilar groups and make them one? Same question applies to a variety of different groups today. Certainly this is applicable for sports teams as it was for mine. But think of our businesses and our corporations, our hospitals, our schools, our universities where diversity abounds all around us. How can we make all this diversity into unity? 
One option is to decide not to. To decide that to get unity and all that diversity is impossible. When you take that course, what winds up happening is you leave two groups to, seg to segregate, to isolate, and to look upon each other with suspicion. It's a direct result of, not, of saying it's impossible. When chosen, this response profoundly affects Christianity's purpose, it affects Christianity's effectiveness, and it, it affects Christianity's attractiveness. When the church operates inside an atmosphere of judgment, we betray the teachings of, Je of Jesus and we lose all appeal of demonstrating God's love for all people. This is serious business. And as we know from where we stand as, Gingham, as Ginghamsburg Church, we are better together and we value diversity here. The other solution is to submit our prejudices and presuppositions to the greater purposes of God. When we imitate God, we become more loving. When we imitate God, we become more understanding. When we imitate God, we become more accepting, not less. As believers, we can all humble ourselves and learn from one another. Nothing, nothing gives greater glory to God or provides a more compelling witness than when believers of different races, ethnic backgrounds, and social strata come together and love and worship the Savior. Can I get an amen? Sadly though, church, history tells of many times when this witness was missing and it left huge gaping holes of pain and racial division in our midst. Today we celebrate Juneteenth. This holiday is considered the longest running African-American holiday and it's been called America's second Independence Day. It was on June 19th, 1865, that Union soldiers landed in Galveston, Texas with news that the Civil War had ended and that all slaves were free. Please note that this was two and a half years after President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which became official on January 1, 1863. So if you can do the math there, you can come to realize that sometimes true freedom takes time. And we're still working on it, aren't we, friends? We're still working on it. What is it about our human selves that we insist on creating categories? We insist on creating comparatives. We insist on creating division. When our Creator God created all in God's in, in all created all in God's image and declared it very, very good. Why do we do that? To live within any other mindset or narrative creates distance from the one who made us. It is sin, literally. I remember years ago hearing about the Gingsburg Church, hearing about Gingsburg out here, um, and how it was viewed in the community that I was in at the time, at the time. Thank God I'm not in that community anymore. But I would hear words like division and bias when they talked about Gingsburg Church. They were used by people who thought they knew what this church was about, and they really didn't. Just talking, 
spreading rumors. I got caught up in it for a second. But at the time, I had never been to Tip City, so I really didn't have too much to say about it, and I just kind of filed it away. Years thereafter, I found myself a part of this movement. And to be honest, I recall being a little nervous the first time I, I drove out here. I had some inhibitions. Would I be accepted? Would I be safe? What kind of atmosphere would I be walking into? So I've been here for five years now. <laughs> Some time has passed and I love coming out here. Thanks, man. As time passed, I began to feel welcomed here, and I have received so many affirmations of compassion and care. If I wrote them all down, I'd just I'd run out of notebook paper. But what really made me take notice of this movement was when George Floyd was killed. This ministry made a pivot to help heal the brokenness, the pain, and the anguish of that trying time. We did listen and learns, we had hard conversations. There were open tables where everyone eats with Jesus. We did our best to love regardless, even when we disagreed or even when we couldn't relate. And guess what? This is who you are and this is who you've always been, Ginghamsburg Church. It's not what people say in strange neighborhoods or communities. It's what's going on right here and right now. I saw how you responded to the tornadoes. I saw how you responded to the Oregon District massacre. I saw how you responded to the Klan rally. This is a church that loves Jesus and does something about it. We don't run from the issues of our world, we run to them. I love that about us. We were unified in diversity and personally, I don't have words to say how much I appreciate that. It makes me very proud to be a part of such a legacy that can say we stand in unity in diversity. Give yourselves a round of applause. Fort McKinley, give yourselves a round of applause. Online, give yourselves a round of applause. What you, what you guys don't know is when I first got here, I was broken. And every day I spent with you and the folks at Fort McKinley have been times when God has rebuilt me through you. I will forever be grateful to this movement. I will forever be loyal to this movement and you can take that to the bank, amen? Thank you. Back to Acts 15, the council decided that the salvation given through Jesus Christ was a salvation for all people and that no one was excluded from the work of Christ. The church was literally beginning to understand that the commission to be Jesus' witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other uttermost parts of the world meant that everyone was to be called in and no one was to be called or left out. Every day, we are able to experience the grace proclaimed by the Council of Jerusalem. Every day, we experience that grace. By God's grace, we are saved to live as followers of Jesus who move through life in the freedom of God's kingdom rather than to be enslaved by the rules and lies of this world. There are various ways to embrace 
unity in diversity. I have a few examples. For example, we may try a restaurant of a different ethnic ownership and talk with the staff about how you appreciate what they're doing. We can watch a movie or read a book about folks of another ethnicity than our own to gain some awareness, to gain some sensitivity, some sense of history. We may take time to engage folks who don't look like you in conversation, even if it's just to greet them with grace as you are part, as you are a part of our Fort McKinley breakfast ministry, serving and eating and modeling God's grace, love, and compassion to strangers who so desperately need a calm word. Maybe you keep looking for ways to share with new and different people. Ask God to give you a spirit of openness with those you encounter. So Ginghamsburg Church, this is our purpose. Ginghamsburg Church, this is our legacy. And may we be a people who strive with all of our being to share our stories, to ask anything, to listen well, to freely disagree, to love regardless, and to do life together. Would you all pray with me? Please open your hands in house. Fort McKinley, please open your hands, and those of you online, open your hands, open your hearts, open your spirits and your minds to receive what God has to say to you today. Let us pray. God of all creation, we thank you, for we are richly blessed with a world of diversity and beauty. Thank you for giving us opportunities to share and to celebrate diversity. As human beings, you have given us minds to explore and to learn as we move together through a world of varied cultures, customs, and languages. We pray, Lord, that you would unite us. We pray that you would bring us to your cross, which equalizes all of us. It is at your cross that we are all equally receiving your love, and as we receive that love, we then love one another. We want our diversity, Lord, our ability to appreciate and celebrate our differences. We want that to glorify you as the great God of unity. Unite us so that the world might see the power of your love that can bring different people together with one shared bond, the bond of being brothers and sisters in the family of God through faith in Jesus. We pray this and we claim this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And all of God's children said, amen. Church, at Tip City, church at Fort McKinley, and church online, I love you, Jesus loves you, and there's not a single thing you can do about that. God bless you and let us go be the church. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.